The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me on what is for me, a really, really cold, frigid night. As you know, many times when I do this radio show, uh, not many times, but certainly sometimes I'm at my mother's house, which is south of Rochester, New York. When I woke up this morning, it was 15 degrees below zero and with a 36, minus 36 wind chill. So it's a pretty cold night here. And I have with me Liz Flight as in Elizabeth Flight, R-N-I-B-C-L-C, founder of the Tidewater Lactation Group in Tidewater, Virginia. Liz, welcome. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be with you this evening. Are you just as cold out there, Liz? Well, it was 15 above this morning, (laughs) uh, but we did uh, start getting snow this afternoon, and we're expecting 10 to 12 inches tonight. Yeah, so I'm not sure how my heading back is going to work. But anyway, um, I'm glad that I can just be here with, you know, really a lot of warmth. First of all, because this room is nice and toasty warm. But secondly, because we've got a really good show coming up. We've got some wonderful guests. And I would like to thank all of our guests for joining us tonight. Liz is a very experienced registered nurse, lactation consultant. I don't know if I would say that Liz has done it all, but man, Liz has done a lot over the several decades. I'm not going to tell you how old Liz is, but trust me, she's got as many gray hairs as I do. Uh, Liz has worked in civilian hospitals, military hospitals. Uh, She has been an IBCLC in private practice. I think, Liz, correct me, have you also been a La Leche leader? Well, I attended meetings, but I was never a leader. Well, we consider you a leader for the rest of the world, Liz. Liz has been uh, very instrumental in bringing better breastfeeding practices to pretty much anywhere that she has gone. She is a real forward thinker, and I know that all of you will enjoy talking with Liz about how we can just You know, one of the things that I really enjoy about Liz is that she really has both feet on the ground. And I mean both feet on the ground, despite the fact that her last name is Flight. Okay, she really has both feet on the ground. And I've often really admired the fact that Liz can make more complicated things seemingly more simple. One of the things that I have noticed, especially in the recent past, 
is that often people think that you've got to have a room full of equipment or um, intellectual giant or a super duper specialist or any number of other things. And I really try to help people to recognize that a lot of times it's just taking the really simple steps. But in order to do that, you kind of need to know what they are, how to figure it out for yourself, and how to get through this. And I think that Liz can really help us to do that uh, this evening. Liz, one of the things that I know that you have been really passionate about and you've done a lot with is bringing rooming in to the hospitals where you've worked. And I know that a lot of times there's a lot of resistance from physicians and from staff and actually you know, honestly, I've had mothers themselves kind of say, well, look, at wait, wait a minute. Like, like, why, why am I doing this anyway? Like, couldn't I, won't I just get a better night's sleep? Um, well, help, help us with that. Well, actually, the studies show that mothers sleep better when the baby is in the same room with them. Yeah. And if you think about it, it's really important for those first few days that mom and baby get in sync with each other. So if baby is with her, she will notice the baby's cues, go ahead and feed the baby. And the hormone prolactin makes both the mother sleepy and the baby sleepy. So then they just go right back to sleep together. Yes. Makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. All right, so what would you do with a mother like me if I said to you, Liz, when I go to sleep, I sleep like a log. I'm never going to hear those cues. What would you say? Well, you know, that's what I thought about my daughter who has to have 12 <laughs> hours sleep a night, and I was scared to death when she had her baby. And it's amazing how you hear your own baby. You wake to your own baby's movements. Um, I would tell anyone, don't be afraid that you'll sleep through, unless you're medicated or or drunk or something, um, you generally are not going to sleep through the baby's cries. And also, if the baby is in the room with you, again, you're going to hear the baby before he reaches crying. You're going to hear him stirring around and what have you. Liz, truly, you know, I've worked more nights than I want to admit to. But it seems to me like there's almost some sort of magic that happens between the mother and the baby that if, if I was lying there asleep, I really don't think I'd notice those little stirrings. But don't you think that that's really like this little piece of magic that nature puts there? Would you say that? Absolutely. It's, it is. You are inexorably connected to that child, despite the fact that he's on the outside and no longer collected, I mean, connected by the umbilical cord. You get in sync with the baby. You really do. And it, there's there's really no reason to take the babies off to a nursery so mother sleeps. And when that happens, the babies maybe even sleep in a deeper sleep or they get fed a bottle in the nursery so mother can sleep. And as a mom, I know I wanted to have the baby with me the whole time because I wanted to make sure no one else did something like feed the baby or what have you for me. I wanted to do it myself. And now with a lot of the baby-friendly hospitals and what have you, we're seeing not only are the babies staying in the rooms with the moms, but the nurses are coming into the room to do a lot of the testing. Um, yeah. It takes an hour sometimes to do hearing tests if if you're if you take a baby off to the nursery, but for some reason, if that baby's in mother's arms and he's all hooked up, that hearing test lasts a matter of minutes. Yes, yes. So there's there's huge uh, benefit in having the baby stay with the mother. And something else that I just thought about, 
every time that baby gets taken in and out of your room, he's exposed to everybody else's germs. Germs. So that's another reason why I really like to keep the baby with the mother and not have him traipsing all over the, the unit. Well, and not to frighten people half to death, but honestly, security is another issue. In theory, a baby should never be stolen from a hospital. But if that baby is with that mother, that mother is is going to know that, that somebody has come in who has not had contact. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big one on this really gives the mother, I think, I think it gives the mother a lot of control over yes. who's doing what, what they're doing, when they're doing it, where they're doing it, how they're, how they're doing it. Hello. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Liz, help me with this now, because this is one that I've heard. Um, when the mother says to me, look, you know, I got three other little kids to go home to, and this is my only night to get really a good night's sleep. I'd really rather sleep. I'd rather sleep the night and just send the baby back to the nursery. And I always feel a little tongue-tied on that one. How? What do you tell moms? I hear that a lot, too. And what we try to encourage the mother to think about is if you really do have two or three children at home waiting on you this is the one night that this new baby has your undivided attention Mm. and it's so important to have that baby there with you so that you can be aware of him you like I say you can sleep and still be aware that the baby is in the room with you Absolutely. Absolutely. The other thing is that it helps her get her milk production kickstarted. If she's, you know, if she's leaving the baby in the nursery, she's not getting the stimulation she needs. And how many of those, Liz, have you seen where they sleep through the night and then, uh, not all of them, certainly, but you've seen people that wake up with this, this engorgement where their breasts are hard as a rock. Mm-hmm. It's, it happens. Absolutely. It happens. Absolutely. doesn't happen all the time, but it does happen. Mm-hmm. So, Liz, what about, you know, sometimes uh, people really want to do this. They, they've, they've learned all of the benefits. And, of course, you and I have only touched on just a few of the benefits of uh, rooming in, especially at night. But a lot of times uh, the mother herself is willing to do that, but her mother or mother-in-law is kind of browbeating her and saying, look at, you know, why, why would you want to look at, you know, just let the nurse take care of the baby. So can you give women some, I don't know, like a good comeback for what they can say respectfully, but clearly to the mother or mother-in-law, which is kind of like, you know, buzz off. Well, certainly. Um, usually if you tell the mom just, Gently explain to her mother that you want the baby to stay with you so that you know what's going on. And also, if, if, if it's an older mother, you can say, you know, I know that back in the 50s, uh, it was done a certain way. But we've learned so much more that now we know it's better to do it this way. Yeah, That's yeah. often the, the biggest response I get. And you have to know that a lot of the grandmothers come when the when the daughters come to my office for a visit the grandmothers generally come cuz they're usually driving the mom and almost invariably those mothers say you know i didn't have help like this when i had my children so i didn't yeah. breastfeed yeah so yeah yeah so they 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 you know they they know they want to do the best for their child 
but they did what they were either told to do or was convenient in in a hospital setting back in the 50s. One of the phrases that is sort of my go-to phrase is, well, you know, new information shows, new research has taught us. And I would encourage mothers to use that that phrase too because you really don't want to make other people feel like they did the wrong thing uh, or they did a bad thing or uh, right. but. It, it, we really we really didn't have all of that information in the 50s or the 60s. Shucks, some of this information we didn't have until the 70s or the 80s. Exactly. And even more, I'm amazed at how much more information is available just in the last five years yes. compared to 30-some years ago or whatever. Well, you know, I remember that when Maureen Keefe's study came out in 19, either 1988 or 1987, uh, what she did was she did that research study where she showed that, in fact, even when mothers got a sleeping pill, they did not get as much sleep with their babies in the nursery as the mothers who had their babies with them. That's right. And I remember reading that studies in, in, in like 87 or 80, 88 and thinking to myself, holy Toledo, this is like just so, and at the time I was working a lot of nights, this is just so incredible. And we really, we really just didn't have that information and e- before that. And even when we did have it, it took a while for it to be disseminated. So I think that it's entirely thinkable that somebody's mother, you know, really, really didn't have that information. Um, it, it's, and, and here's the other thing. Uh, would you say when you are the nurse, you don't just dump off the baby and say to the mother goodbye and good luck. You know, certainly you come back and check and help, yes? Absolutely. And all of all of the staff know how to do that. It's yes. not just me. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important because we can't make people feel as though they're entirely like on their own at night. Uh, it's it's really not like that. Well, as usual, it's always fun chatting with uh, someone who is an expert, a mother, and a woman who's just got a lot of common sense and both feet on the ground. I'm here with my guest, Liz Flight. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. I'm here today with Liz Flight, and we were talking uh, before we went to the break. We were talking about some of the finer points of rooming in. Before we start our second segment, I would just like to thank our sponsor today, who is New Angel, and you can visit that website at nuangel.com. That's nuangel.com. And here's news. You also can go in Walmart these days, and I believe they've got more than just one thing, but the thing that I'm really excited about is this new product that New Angel has now, which is a 100% cotton washable breast pad. So if you're a gal who leaks, that's a wonderful product for you. And I think very reasonably priced, you should know that that is a product that is made by a woman for women. And by the way, she also is an IBCLC, really wonderful person who is here to promote breastfeeding as our, uh, my guest, Liz Flight, and I also tonight, as you are here and we're trying to walk you through some of these things that, that generally, with a little information and a little uh, whatever, uh, a lot of these things are pretty easy to manage. Hey, Liz, uh, we were talking earlier about <laughs> what really gives you heartburn, and uh, you had said supplementation. Now, you and I and probably many of the people who are listening know that exclusive breastfeeding for six months, I think... Everybody on the planet now accepts that exclusive breastfeeding for six months is the ideal. Sometimes, however, either intentionally or unintentionally, right or wrong, in between, babies do end up getting supplemented. And you were saying that sometimes the nurse is 
maybe a little reluctant to talk about alternative feeding methods. And then you're the one that ends up kind of approaching it with the mom. Uh, Tell us, I I mean, everybody kind of has their own set of thoughts about this. Uh, They're probably sick of hearing me, so we'd love to hear. What do you think? What would you tell this mother if, if indeed her baby needed to be supplemented? Let's go for the needed to be. Well, that sort of changes my calculus. I would say if this baby needs to be supplemented, and I understand why, the first thing I'm going to have her do is get the baby down to his diaper and do skin to skin and do hand expression to get her own milk. But if it turns out that we have to use supplemental formula, um, I prefer using cup feeding or finger feeding or using a tube at the breast so that the baby still remembers how to make his own mother's nipples work when you use pacifiers or fingers in the baby's mouth or a baby bottle it's not that the baby gets confused it is that there is a place in the roof of the mouth that when you stick your finger in or the bottle in and it touches it it sends a very strong stimulus for the baby excuse me to suck and if you keep sticking that thing in he's going to expect that stimulus every time well we all know there are not very many mothers whose nipples stick that far out you know without <laughs> right. some right. kind of assistance so it, it's it's a matter of, and that's also a pleasure spot by the way so you're giving him a little zing within the pleasure spot yeah but yes. anyway so i that's why i try to convince mothers not to use pacifiers and not to use a bottle and also with the bottle if you just hand her those two ounce bottles in the hospital She's just going to let let it run, and the baby's going to get way more milk than he needs. We try to limit it in that first day to just you know five cc's, five or ten cc's, depending on what the circumstances are. Yeah, I would say I would totally agree with you, Liz. That when I hand the parent that bottle, they just automatically assume that the baby should take the whole thing, and I usually say, you know, that's where the clean plate syndrome starts. And mm-hmm. clean plate is not what any of us should be doing. You know? Exactly. <laughs> um, finishing is really not the objective here. I thought you made a really interesting statement, Liz. I've never really heard anybody say it quite that way. Uh, I, I, I kind of don't ever like to get into that whole discussion about whether or not babies can get nipple confused because mm-hmm. the research has never proven it. I have seen some babies that have some difficulties, but in terms of what I guess you might call primary nipple confusion, I just I don't really think that's really true. What I do think is what more along the lines of what you were saying, that it it does stimulate them and, and, and therefore stimulates their neurons and their brain and so forth, but it feels different. You know, you can't tell mm-hmm. me that an artificial nipple feels the same as a human nipple. It just doesn't. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that's a, boy, that's a tough one. Uh, so, Liz, here's another one. I've seen mothers that get really confused about jaundice. They've heard things like, uh, if they breastfeed, their baby is more likely to get jaundice. Now, we know that the research really doesn't bear that out. Go ahead. Go ahead. So I was just going to say that if you think about the fact that probably a good 75% of all babies have a little bit of elevated bilirubin by the time they're about three days old, nope. then wouldn't that be normal if 75% <laughs> of the population has it? So you have to wonder, yes, it is normal. It's an antioxidant. It has a purpose. But sometimes if the baby's not getting enough volume, they're not getting rid of their, their meconium, 
that's that's when you could say, okay, we need to stop and refocus on how we're getting this milk into the baby. Are we making sure mother's getting the stimulation she need she needs? And um, you know, the colostrum is it acts like a laxative. It helps baby get rid of the meconium, and um, it's kind of also coincidental that the bilirubin level is highest on day three. And guess what else happens on by day, by day three, usually mom's volume comes up. Absolutely. So it's a matter of the bilirubin attaches to protein, doesn't attach to sugar water. It attaches to protein. <laughs> so either, I never either thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it's either mother's milk or, 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 or formula. If there really is a reason. Yeah, because, you know, sometimes, and again, this is probably something that they face more with their mother or mother-in-law talking about. In the old days, shucks, we always gave sugar water to babies. Mm -hmm. And the whole thing was that we were going to, I don't know, flush them out or something. But, uh, you know, bilirubin is not excreted through the kidneys. Mm -hmm. Uh, I suppose a little teeny bit is, but it's, it's excreted through the bowel. So, therefore, washing the baby out or or... Uh, flushing him out or whatever word we use just made no sense. I never thought about the one about not attaching to sugar water, though. That's a good one, Liz. I, I got to say. It has, Billy Rubin has to attach to a protein molecule. It, it just does. So, it does. And, and the other thing with sugar water is if the baby gets full of sugar water, then he's not going to want to nurse. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's, and he's getting very few calories. Very few calories. Liz, I, I never really quite know how to give a convincing response when a mother is tells me that she gave her baby jaundice, it, you know, this is not like uh, a head cold or a mm-hmm. cough or a sore throat or something. You can't give your baby jaundice. Can you h- explain that in, in simple terms for us? Well, all babies in, in utero, in the womb, have excess red blood cells because it's a low oxygen environment. Then once they're born, they have to get the oxygen through their own lungs and therefore they don't need all of those red blood cells. So the more immature ones break down and split apart and the bilirubin, what we were talking about a minute ago, gets bound with protein to go. So if the baby has a lot of red blood cells to break down or if he has a liver that's immature if it's like a little uh late preterm baby they have a less mature <laughs> liver so it's a little harder for them to break down break the bilirubin down. so it's it's an it's a normal part of life trust me gals uh liz just explained that in better terms than i think i i, I get a little too scientific with it liz did a really good job so liz tell me this um I always think of you as being pretty diplomatic, pretty together, Uh, but it seems to me like I spend more time than I want trying to help parents to know that it's their baby and they can accept treatments or refuse treatments or ask questions or whatever. Uh, Talk to us a little bit about becoming informed and having the right to refuse. Well, I would say the first thing any mother should do during her pregnancy is become educated. She needs to know what's going to be happening in the hospital, what things she can anticipate so that she can maybe ask questions before the baby comes. But certainly, 
every baby and every family is different. Every situation is different. And if, for example, most hospitals give the hepatitis B shot, the first in the series, in the hospital. But you have to sign a consent saying that it's okay. Well, let's say you don't want it in the hospital. You want to wait for your two-week visit with the pediatrician. You can sign that form and say no. You can say no on the form. So the parent always has the right to say no. Um, but again, try to be educated first so that you know what you're asking and what kind of answers you need to get. Liz, go back a step, please, because you talked earlier about having the baby in the room with the mother. Now, let's say that the hearing test lady comes along and says, uh, you know, I need to take your baby to do testing. How can you help the mother to sort of politely say, um, no, you're leaving the baby right here. Can you give give us some sound bites for that? Well, actually, you you can just ask them. Well, can't we do it in here? Is there any reason why you know? Can you not bring your machine in here? Can could I hold the baby, or does the baby have to be in a, a bassinet? Yeah. So, in other words, start out with questions first, yeah. and and asking what what they're doing or why they're doing it or a certain way or if it can be done a different way. Sometimes it may be that the machinery is in another room and you you just can't help that. But sure. um, where I have uh, the <clears throat> hospital that I um, support has has theirs on wheels so it's huge and it's a computer but it's on wheels and they can do it in the room and in our facility they do now they didn't for a long time but we put our foot down and said they would so the ticket there is really don't hesitate to raise that question hey everybody i'm marie biancuto i'm here with liz flight don't go away and feel free to call us in the third segment if we can't answer your question probably nobody can we'll be happy to take questions uh and she'll tell you how right on the commercial break don't go away we'll be right back opinions options answers you're listening to voice america health and wellness What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Marie Biancuto. I'm here today with Liz Flight. Just before the, we came, uh, just before we went to the break, Liz was just telling us a little bit about some ways that you can advocate for yourself and your baby, gave us a few little sound bites so that you can kind of muddle your way through the system. Um, Liz, speaking of questions and, and being your own best advocate, if you were a mother who was trying to hire a pediatrician, you know, going in and asking the pediatrician, do you support breastfeeding? You know he's going to say yes. Okay, he's going to say yes. But what kinds of real questions could you suggest that the mother might ask to help her decide if he's really going to support breastfeeding? The very first question is, how many of your moms are breastfeeding? I like and it. So find out what his, and if he's proud of it and says, oh, yeah, at least 70%. Most of my moms, oh, I've got the most, whatever, if they get excited about it. <laughs> just generally, if you mention breastfeeding to anybody that's passionate about it, yep. they will talk. So if you can start the question with how many, you know, or how, you know, in your practice, um, generally that gets them started talking. And they'll talk about how they feel about different things. And a lot of times if it's a female pediatrician, she'll say, oh, yes, and I breastfed, yada, yada, yada. Or if it's the male pediatrician, oh, yes, my wife breastfed. And, you know, so they usually will share something with you if you ask. But meanwhile, you're also saying, look at those nonverbals. The doctor who's excited, you're going to notice that. Yes. And the doctor who's giving you the answer that he thinks you want to hear and is kind of like, you know, maybe he's kind of in the not so much so camp. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all these doctors who say, well, you know, it's really the mother's decision. Da, 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 da. Then my take on that is, so in other words, you don't really care. Right. And, you know, we have research on that. We have research yeah. that shows that if the obstetrician and the staff in the OB office talks about breastfeeding throughout the pregnancy at each of the visits and actually promotes breastfeeding, that the mothers are more likely to breastfeed, whether they had planned to originally or not. Or not. Mm-hmm. I, yes, absolutely. Liz, a uh, quick, quick recap what we were talking about at the break about going to La Leche even before you're pregnant. Absolutely. The Lecture League is open to any mom. Obviously, it's only women. They don't usually allow husbands or anything like that. But um, you can go before you're pregnant or early in the pregnancy just to hear. They have the four 
classes in a series. So it's a once a month visit for four months. And if you go before you even get pregnant, you learn more about breastfeeding in general. And you get to see more women sitting around breastfeeding so you can ask questions. Um, I think it's excellent. Anything you can do beforehand it helps you because when you're in the hospital, you're not going to remember things. Nope. You, you, if you didn't already know it, it's very hard to memor- remember things or memorize things in a hospital setting. I totally agree. I can tell you that in all the years I was in the hospital, I used to say that uh, I swore that they pushed out part of their brain with their placenta because you know, they just weren't necessarily tracking. Um, Liz, in your private practice, Uh, What would you say are some issues that breastfeeding mothers are most likely to come for help during the first few days after discharge? In the first few days, I would say a couple of the most common things are the latch hurts, you know, their nipples are sore, their latch hurts, or, or the baby isn't latching and not feeding, so they've got her doing all kinds of other things. Those are the two most common things. And usually fixing the latch is easy because it's usually because of the position they're trying to use. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, a lot of the hospitals still teach the mothers to hold the baby horizontal with your one arm and hold your breast with the other hand and shove the baby on. Well, (laughs) you know, you might be able to do that with a five or six or seven pounder, but when that baby gets bigger you're not going to be able to do that and so we teach the mothers two things primarily either if you're going to do a cradle hold let the baby lay in your arm and with his little body tracking down towards your lap you don't need them horizontal they need to be at about a 45 degree angle and if you let them do it themselves they will put themselves in a 45 degree angle i agree Yep. And then the other part is if the baby really hasn't been latching at all, I like to do skin to skin. I'll go ahead and get the baby down to the diaper, get mom's top off, and yep. and I have a reclining chair. So I can lay the mom back in the chair and just lay the baby on her and cover them. And amazingly, that baby can still do the birth crawl and do all the pushing around that he needs to do and find the nipple all by himself. Liz, honestly, 10 years ago, I was not singing this song as loudly as I am now, but don't you really think that skin-to-skin contact is like the go-to thing to do for the baby who won't latch? Absolutely. And it's never too late, not that I know of. Do you you agree? I totally agree. And the more, the better, especially Mm -hmm. in the first few weeks when you're trying so hard to build a milk supply. That skin-to-skin contact is what helps stimulate the hormones that help you make the milk. I just want to give a little plug here for, uh, we had Dr. Susie Luddington-Ho on a show, I don't know, two or three months ago, and she talked about the nerves on the front of the chest. Uh And it was really so interesting to hear her. And I know that on that show, I I hope I said my usual thing, which is skin to skin does not mean skin to to, uh, bra, okay? Right. You really got to get skin to skin. Right. And I think you never can do too much. It's never too late. It's it's. And the other thing that I picked up on was when you were talking about <clears throat> the baby in one of those what I call angular positions, I always teach nurses, don't let the mother screw the baby's head on and don't yes. you screw the baby's head on yes. because all they do is, is pull away. Yes. When you touch the crown, the baby pushes his head back against the pressure. Yeah. So there's really no point in trying to do that. And the other thing it does is it makes for a sh- – even if you do get the baby to the breast, it makes for a shallower latch because you've yes. got the baby's head tipped the wrong way. 
totally agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I mean, it's just such a simple thing, but honestly, uh, and, and Lord knows we've all done some things that we're not very proud of. But for me, that's one of the things that I am most unproud of in my early life. You know, I would just screw the baby's head on. <laughs> that's what we knew to do. That's, that's, all, all, we knew to that's all we knew to do. Yeah. So, Liz, what about in your private practice also? Uh, do you see, I'm sure you do, mothers who have had late preterm babies, you know, those babies born in the 36, 37 weeks, well, 37, but you know what I mean, uh, you know, kind of that right around in that neighborhood. Um, what are maybe some kinds of questions and quandaries from those mothers uh, that really stand out in your mind? I would say the most common thing they will say is the baby is sleepy all the time. I, I can't see. wake the baby up. And here we go right back to skin to skin. Yes. Because you can help him regulate his his wakings and restings by putting him on your chest. Liz, you know, sometimes when people talk to me about late preterm infants, it took me a long time before I realized why uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of difficulty with that. And it occurred to me that early in my career, I did a lot of preterm babies. And it just seems to me like those babies that are late pretermers act at the breast more like preterm than by term. Would you that agree? is true. Yes, that's absolutely true. Yeah. They they don't stay, they, they are unable to stay awake as long. Right. And, you know, a lot of times parents are told to strip the baby and to make him cold to wake him up. But you really don't need to quite do that. You need to do the – if you're going to do the skin-to-skin, obviously you have to have the chest bare. But but yeah. the, the little pretermers um, need to be treated more like a preterm. Right. And, and I, it suddenly dawned on me one day that that was just my – uh, way to deal with it was to just kind of realize, you know, this this baby is really not all the way there, and he really acts more like a preterm baby. Yeah. The other consideration is uh, maintaining mother's supply, Absolutely. because if these babies don't do a good job at the breast, then and the mother does nothing, then she's not going to get a good supply for this baby. But um, so I have my my late pretermers and my pretermers pumping and hand expressing. I start out with hand expressing and then after the first few times when she starts getting milk, then we'll switch to the pump. But it's a lot easier to hand express colostrum than it is to use a pump. Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big fan of hand expression. I keep thinking I want to do a show on it and then I realize that so many people now think that it's old fashioned or, you know, they don't need it. And so I kind of think, well, maybe, maybe I can skip that. But Liz, tell us this, you know, not everybody wants to spend a bunch of money to go to a lactation consultant when they're uh, discharged from the hospital. And I personally do not believe that everybody needs a lactation consultant. I just don't. Breastfeeding is normal. Help us to know when do you really need to get on the phone and call the lactation consultant and get get some really expert help? Well, I would say if it, it kind of depends on what's going on with you and or the baby. And my first step would be to call the Lecture League and see if there's something that they can do to help me or not. And if they can't help, then I would call a lactation consultant. Um, it it is worth the money. If you think how much money you would spend on formula if you're not successful, right. then the price of a lactation consultant is very minimal. Because, yeah. Yes. And I think, too, there's the other piece, which we can't even measure in ounces or dollars or anything else. 
if that's something that a mother really had her heart set on doing, mm-hmm. and if it's just not going well, then sometimes there's a real reason for it, and real expert help actually can turn that around. Mm-hmm. Whereas, uh, you know, I don't think you can just throw up your hands and say, oh, well, doggone, you know, I failed, because then you spend right. so much of your time feeling like a failure, and that's just not true. That, you're absolutely correct. Oh, wow. Uh, Liz, we've only got about uh, 40 seconds left. Tell us in those 40 seconds, uh, what is the uh, one thing that you enjoy the most about private practice? Oh, my. I would say just having the moms come in, and usually they're frustrated because something isn't quite right, and you put them in the soft chair, you get them calm, and show her how to put her baby on you don't do it for her you just show her if you'll lay him this way and pull him that way you know the and to watch the look on their face when the baby latches (laughs) on really well the first time oh that doesn't hurt i've I've heard it a thousand times so that's probably my favorite thing is when the baby goes on without mom being in pain and she's happy and smiling i totally agree uh which is a great reason that all of you should remember Tidewater Lactation Group. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. What's the weirdest place I've ever done it? Probably at my niece's high school musical during intermission. I've done it on an airplane. In our minivan while his mother was driving. Hi, Mom. What's the weirdest place I've ever pumped? Probably the car dealership. In the bathroom at my sister's wedding. Finding a good place to pump can be hard. Donating breast milk is easy. No matter where you've pumped, you'd make a good donor to the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin. Learn how your milk can save lives at milkbank.org slash donor. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. 
Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuto. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm here today with expert nurse and lactation consultant and woman extraordinaire, Liz Flight. And for those of you who might like to grow up to be like Liz Flight, uh, Liz Flight is an IBCLC. I will be offering my comprehensive course to prepare people to become an IBCLC. Next week, I will be in sunny San Diego. Now, don't worry radio show will still continue. Uh, I have one already pre-recorded, so you'll get to hear that. Uh, But I will be giving that course. It's not too late to sign up. I will also be in uh, Woodbridge, New Jersey, which is just outside of the Newark airport. That will be in March. I will be giving my review course in Atlanta, Woodbridge, Baltimore, Boston, and I think somewhere else. And actually, I think we're going to be doing my comprehensive course in Baltimore uh, too. I forgot that. That will be in May. So I've got a big spring ahead of me. And truly, if you want to grow up to be like Liz, there's one of the things that could speed you on your way. So Liz, tell us this. You know, sometimes when people talk about support for breastfeeding, some people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's like going out to lunch with your girlfriends. You know, it's nice to do, but you know, it's optional. Do you think that support is just nice to have or do you think it's need to have? I think it's absolutely critical because the mom, a brand new mom especially, is very unsure of herself. And her support have to help her feel more confident and give her good support, not just, okay, I'll vacuum your floor for you. That's nice too. <laughs> but but um, they need to make sure that they watch their words. Yeah. You know, you want people who will say kind things to you, not question you or 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 have terrible things to say. I mean, I'm, obviously, I've been around long enough to have seen some dads that were super supportive and I've seen dads that were not supportive and I've seen the extremes of both of those. Um, I've seen grandmothers with the same thing. Well, yes, I've got grandmothers that say, gosh, I didn't get to do this. I'm so happy that my daughter has help. But then you do have the ones that look at you, you know, she's looking over your shoulder and says, gosh, can you tell if he's getting anything? <laughs> well, yeah. that's like the last thing you want to hear. Absolutely. <laughs> so we, we, we have to think about picking, when you're picking your A team, you want to pick people that will support you emotionally um, in your choice that this is something you want to do. And they have to know that you feel really strongly about it so that they will support you. If they think you're wishy-washy about it, they're going to be hedging too and say, well, you know, it's, you know, you've already done the best or you can do, you know, just so much. And then, you know, they always have a, a, a I want to call it a get out of jail card. Oh, yeah, like, you know, you've done this much, so don't beat yourself up. Go do something else. It's okay. Well, what are the three things that you would look for in your A-team member? 
uh, hopefully um, a mom that has breastfed successfully. You definitely want to have somebody like that. You don't want the girl who um, had a C-section, didn't breastfeed, tried, 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 and tears, tears, tears. Yeah. Um, I would say you want um, someone that you trust, that you know is intelligent and has good information. Um, I, I would. Know, what else? I would agree with all the. Well, you know what I was thinking, Liz. Yeah. I was thinking there are some people that have, for lack of a better term, positive energy. Ooh, yes. You know, you just like being in their presence. And you get that feeling from them, whether you are breastfeeding or otherwise, they're the kind of person that you can be with them today or 10 years from now or 10 years ago, and you just always get that positive energy. And there's a reason. It's because they really do have positive energy. Exactly, exactly. And and the people who are always kind of the, you know, oh, that glass is half full, get them out of your your line of vision. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, because so often it's so easy to say, well, you know, formula feeding isn't really that bad. I was formula fed and I came out all right. And that's that's not what you want. Absolutely. No, no it's not. Um, Liz, in I, I know we could talk about this for probably 14 weeks. But tell us, for those women who might be thinking about delivering at a baby-friendly hospital, and I know your hospital is not quite there yet because um, I was out there to uh, – help you a little earlier this year. Uh, tell me, what, why should a woman want to pick a, a hospital that's either baby-friendly or trying to become baby-friendly? Well, I would say if you really want to breastfeed, you want to be in a hospital that is trying to follow or is following the 10 steps to successful breastfeeding. And what that does is it gives the, the staff some guidelines to go by so that they help support you with breastfeeding and not put the typical hospital type roadblocks in the way like rooming in is very important if you want to breastfeed so you don't want to go to a hospital where they keep the babies in the nursery all day and all night Um, letting the baby go to the breast right after delivery you don't want the baby whisked off to the nursery so in a baby friendly hospital or even one that's learning Hopefully, they will allow you to put that baby skin to skin as soon as it's born and allow you to breastfeed before they start doing all of their routine tasks. A lot of nurses are task-oriented. Oh, yeah. how, oh, yeah. That's how we were trained. Absolutely, but, yeah. But, but that there's absolutely, unless that baby's in trouble, there's no reason to do his shots and his eyes, you know, the medicine in the eyes and the bath. I mean, I've seen nurses oh, that want to bathe them in the first couple of minutes. So, so yeah. delaying the bath not doing the interventions within that first hour, getting the baby skin to skin in the first hour and breastfeeding the first hour, rooming in, getting procedures done in the room, not letting the baby get take, taken off to the nursery. Those are all huge. And also... And I usually like to say that it helps the woman to work with her body rather than uh, having the hospital work against it. Liz, in the minute or so we have left, uh, tell us what are maybe the two or three real take-home messages you really want listeners to be able to glean from this show? Take a breastfeeding class. Take a breastfeeding class. I can't say it enough. <laughs> um, if you have access to La Leche League, go to more than four months of the series. You know, go in there and meet people. They they can be your A team too. Sure, they can be sure. your supporters. Even if no one else does, those girls will support you. Um, and and then stick to your guns. 
when you're in the hospital, it's your baby. It's not the nurse's baby. Yeah, and it's not, I, I often say the hospital does not own the baby. I picked that up from Diane Young right. so many years That's ago. Right. Liz, thank you so much for being with us today. Everyone, we've been listening to Liz Flight, owner of Tidewater Lactation Services. Liz, quick, quick, give us that website. It's TidewaterLactationGroup.com. Very good. And for those of you who want more of what we have to offer on the radio show, visit the website at borntobebreastfed.com. Be sure to leave a question if you have one. Address it to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. And if you're interested in professional education, either on the web or in your city, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice. And if you are a professional, I would or urge you to come to my other website, which is breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do what's best for you and your baby. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.